Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I am also your host, Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben. Hey, Adam. I uh, I mentioned this briefly on the last episode, but uh, in between recording that and this, I've kind of fallen in love with the idea. And uh, it's uh, let's get to a thousand reviews on iTunes before the end of the year. How many of those do I need to leave? Uh, you, you don't need to leave any cause that would be cheating, but I was thinking we have like poster and t-shirts left over from our tour. Would that be a cool prize? I think what you're talking about is a prize pack, Ben. Yeah, that's a full blown pack, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. Unfortunately, uh, the range of our t-shirt cannon, uh, <laughs> is very small, so we can't use that, but, uh, through the magic of shipping... We can ship a shirt and a poster just about anywhere. Yeah. So let's do that. Why don't we make uh, Why don't we make a review contest where, yeah. sort of like the first one, right? People yeah. can leave a new review and then email us that review to prove that they've done it. Yeah. Take a screenshot once it shows up on iTunes so that we know that it is actually there. And uh, I think let's uh, let's keep this to U.S. Sorry, everybody else. Not trying to shit on you. I'm just saying like that's the store whose numbers we can actually see. So. We appreciate reviews in other stores, too. It's just I don't have any idea how many reviews we have there. Um, <laughs> so here's here's what I'm thinking are the terms, Adam. This is an all-or-nothing contest. We get to 1,000, somebody's getting a T-shirt and a poster. If we do not, nobody's getting a T-shirt and a poster. That's strong but fair. And uh, I, do we, I, I say just, uh, just, you know, write your best review, whatever you think is good. doesn't have to be... Uh, anything in particular, but you know, be persuasive, and uh, and uh, send us a screenshot. I don't, I don't want to yeah. like review it for content this time because I think this is just about a a brute force push to a thousand. Oh, so this is this will be a random selection. This won't be a subjective take on whether something's funny or or witty or whatever, right? Right. Okay. Does that seem good? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Cool. Contest. It's on. <laughs> These always and, work out great, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, just uh, one other thing I should say is uh, if you've already put up a review, and even if you entered our last contest, you're eligible. Take a picture of your review and send it to us. That's totally fine. Drunkshimoda at gmail.com. But if, uh, if we don't get to 1,000, nobody's, nobody's entries will make any difference in the world. <laughs> well, you could say that anyway, couldn't you? Yeah. Here's the thing, nothing you do will make a difference in the world. So I guess we can enter this contest just to pass the time. What is this an episode of Planet Money Economics podcast? <laughs> oh no. Is that is that the direction they're going? <laughs> I feel like maybe. I don't know. I'm actually friends with somebody that works on that show. I I'm not I'm not talking shit. I'm just <laughs> Hey, Ben, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally we'll get fan mail on the internet. It's, it's one of the things that I pinch myself about every time. They, of course, write in using the email address drunkshimoda at gmail.com. I want to read a message to you that we recently received. 
Yeah. Picking up the complaint line, Ben. Mm -hmm. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Message from Sam. Subject line, politics complaint. Uh-huh. Goes like this. The real-life U.S. politics in the show have always bothered me. And in episode 88, I reached my limit. I ignored the Twitter traffic of the same because I figured that was more personal than strictly show. <laughs> and that is the end of the of the email. Sam, were you were you injured mid comment? <laughs> uh, you've got me on you've got me on Tinder hooks here, buddy. Really like to know how this message ends. I th- it sounds like he has resigned as a viewer, so I imagine he's not hearing this. What I've done is I've taken his politics comment and I've put it along with all of the other uh, complaint emails we've received, and that's going into sort of a uh, an Excel spreadsheet engine. <laughs> and what we do before every episode is it outputs a way and a tone that we do the, th- the next show. Mm. So all of this stuff works. Yeah. When people write in to complain, it changes the show substantially. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason that the show is any good, right? Because of all That's the complaints. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to thank Sam for writing in. Uh, Sam, who is clearly no longer listening and may no longer be typing anything anymore because of how his, his email was cut off halfway through. But Yeah. Enjoy living in a world in which no one talks about U.S. politics, Sam. <laughs> That's a fantasy land. You want to start our show? Let's do it. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. We're talking about season four, episode 19. The nth degree, Ben. This is it. You know, I almost graduated with an nth degree. I ended <laughs> up uh, going with the nth, de- nth degree minor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, couldn't quite get the foreign language credit in line enough to actually get the double major. So, mm. film major, nth degree minor. That's how it goes. My college roommate was really upset with me because I uh, didn't didn't transmit a piece of mail that he received early enough for him to find out from the bursar's office that he wasn't getting his nth minor. <laughs> what is a bursar's office? <laughs> I didn't bursar's go to a fancy school. They don't have a bursar at your school? I have no idea what that is. I think that's like the person you pay. Oh, really? Yeah. Or like the person that like sets up your academic, makes sure you qualify academically or something. I don't know. Mm. Look it up, jerk. (laughs) Oh, I went to a fancy college with a bursar. (laughs) Everybody talks about the amazing bursar at our college. (laughs) It's one of the best bursars. People people all over the country say, that is a good bursar. <laughs> you know, I just recently got off the phone with the bursar of Taiwan. It's a very <laughs> great conversation. He loves me, believe me. It, it will in no way affect our negotiations <laughs> with the bursar of North Korea, who has <laughs> nuclear weapons, and we need to be careful about... You know, we might need to edit that out, Adam, because we're not supposed to ever talk about politics. Oh, shit. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the uh, the episode opens, and it's a it's another classic uh, cold open in the middle of a play. And uh, Reg Barkley is uh, is playing... He's uh, not, not Cyrano de Bergerac. He's the other guy in that play. I thought I he know. was playing Roxanne, the Steve <laughs> Martin movie. Yeah, he's got, got a big old schnoz on him. <laughs> 
I'd hate to see the grindstone. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing about Cyrano de Bergerac. It's like not good looking, but he's like got a silver tongue, I think, and so he like helps a good looking guy talk to girls. Ten more seconds, and I'm leaving. Then that's the Roxanne movie. Then that is uh, that's what that was based on. I think that's basically where it comes from. I wonder which came first. Barkley's, uh, yeah, impossible to find out. Uh, uh, we just got 30 more emails, Ben, based on that comment. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and reply to these while you're talking. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Barkley's uh, performance is not great. I, ha- I have done better since. But uh, the crew give him an extremely dishonest round of applause. And like Data's a- review is fart face. <laughs> Like, they pan him several times during Barkley's performance, and he is like, oh, God. Did someone just take a shit in here? It's like yeah. he walked into a porta potty at a, at a music festival, like, after, like, three days. Yeah. Data is way better at mimicking humans than, than Barkley. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it makes it, it kind of exposes what's so interesting about Barkley's character, right? Is it, like, Data has, like, a physiological and physical reason for not being as fully human as he would like to be. Barkley, it's just a mystery. Do you think there's some narcissism of minor differences between Data and Barkley at play here? Oh, you mean like Data doesn't like him because he sees himself in Barkley? Yeah, that is what I mean. Dang. That's a that's a hot take. Huh. Let's explore this as we go <laughs> on. Sure. So, uh, and I guess we should say, like, at the end of this play, um, Counselor Troy comes up to Barkley, and it's a little, like, it's a little hard to read what her motive is here, because she definitely is, like, really buttering him up. She's laying the compliments on fast and loose, and she's, like, she's like you know, in, like, a fancy dress and, like, really fancy makeup and jewelry for her going out to the theater look i guess which is so weird like they basically saw the equivalent of a fifth grade school drama recital yeah why did they get dressed up well they like nobody else did like everybody else was just in their fucking uniform and she is like dulled up she is dressed to the nines maybe she's She's, going somewhere later she's in like an evening gown where else uh, would they go they've redressed 10 forward for this occasion (laughs) yeah there's a well, the, there's the downstairs venue space, right? Sure. Um, but uh, 11 forward. Um, this is the part that Guinan shot her gun into. <laughs> her buttering up is a, little, is a little condescending, though, right? Troy's like, boy, Reg, uh, you sure did try hard out there. I couldn't imagine you doing this a couple months ago. I think you've really come a long way. None of that is complimentary towards his performance at all, which I think is great. Like, like yeah. uh, damning with faint praise is what she's doing here by completely ignoring uh, the performance that she's just seen. Even though that was super embarrassing for you, you should feel great about having had the courage to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, gym classes aren't for everyone, and I, <laughs> I noticed when, uh, when they pulled down your pants uh, doing the rope climb that uh, you have a lot to be embarrassed about. But way to keep going to gym class, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, 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 nothing
The entrepreneur is in orbit of the Argus Array, <laughs> a uh, which is like the Hubble spe- Space Telescope on on crank. Yeah. It's like a huge piece of uh, of hardware, and it's loaded up with nuclear reactors that I guess power it or something. And it's, it looks a lot like a Settlers of Catan game in progress. Like there's a bunch of octagons mm-hmm. linked together. I've never played Settlers of Catan. <laughs> um, yeah, I've uh, I've I've played it once, and it was really fun. But I never got invited back, and and it was like, oh no, I, I've always wondered about that because they're like, we do this all the time. We do this like every couple of weeks. While I was there, and. Uh, it's how we bond with our friends. Yeah, yeah. I think that they may have not liked me because I went for the Pyrrhic victory option where nobody wins. Mm. Everyone loves that after playing a game for five hours. Uh, yeah, I, I did the the real like chaotic neutral gameplay uh, approach because I think that I would feel really bad if I just lost. So I have to have a special weird kind of losing. You're a weird loser. Yeah. I've been called that for years. <laughs> weird loser Ben Harrison tweets very unfair things about me, and then he works them into his Star Trek podcast, and I'm at my wit's end. Sad. <laughs> very unfair. Weird. <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, the ship is there because the telescope is broken, and they've got to figure out what caused the fault. And it is not long before they discover that there is a weird alien probe hanging around in the neighborhood. And it's, you know, it's a, they they fairly quickly determine for themselves that this weird alien probe is, is what they're going to be focusing their, their energies on trying to trying to figure out what it's what it's doing why it messed up the array um what it's made of all that stuff so Jordy uh goes and grabs Barkley they load onto a Previa they uh they ship out and uh they go over to this probe and they're doing some scans on it and it does like a uh a, a Q flash you know it, uh, it flashes the whole ship, and what was that? And Jordy's like, "Computer's down, Reg." And Barkley doesn't respond. He turns around, and Barkley is passed out on the floor. Reg, good strategy uh, from a production standpoint, not to show him falling over. I think that was a trap they fell into in the last episode. Yeah, you know? if someone funny. can't pull off a fall down, don't show the fall down. I mean, I guess it must be just like different from director to director but like there's many episodes now where they've known not to show everybody bailing out on screen and yet occasionally they show people bailing out on screen it's a director's prerogative i guess they managed to not do that this time which was which was great yeah sort of a sort of a fun toss to commercial yeah barkley's down geordie radios up to the enterprise Barkley's down. <laughs> we thought we were rid of him, Adam, but uh, it turns out uh, he recovers pretty quickly. It was just like... There was enough energy in that flash to overload your optic nerves. It knocked you unconscious. My advisor must have filtered it out. Exactly. Uh, don't you worry your pretty little head about anything. 
This fucking circumstance, though, drives me crazy. Like, <laughs> hey, someone has had a strange reaction to contact with something alien. Mm-hmm. Go on right back to work. Uh, we will not study you any further. Right. You seem to be okay. It's not like we have a rich history of contact with aliens leading to people being compromised mentally. Is Beverly a terrible doctor? <laughs> I just want you to put that in the back pocket, I guess. I don't know. She cured uh, the uh, the lady in the last episode from her bodysuit lobster claw illness. I mean, she's she's got things that... She's got things going for her. Her instinct was to go clip show on her. <laughs> if she was not already in Six Bay, I think she would have gotten out and predatored up the whole ship. Yeah, she might have gone to blue mode, green mode. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to plant my flag in this opinion, and we'll see if I ever pick it up again, but I'm uh, I'm pro-Pulaski. I don't think, I don't think she'd make these fuck-ups. I like them both, Adam. I really like both doctors. There's room enough in our hearts for both. Yeah. Or at least mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just got a great big heart. Yeah. And I just have a shriveled, gross heart. It is the guiding principle of a dark lady's face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth? You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So they're they're walking out out of Six Bay, and, uh... Like, before they get Barkley well, there's this scene where the probe starts chasing the Enterprise. And it's like, it is such a weird sequence. It's, the the probe is chasing them. They keep, like, you know, speeding the ship up. You know, like, a, okay, we're going to go to half impulse to get away from this. Okay, full impulse. Okay, warp two. It's still on us. Still right on our ass. And it's, like, coming closer. And the way Patrick Stewart plays this is, like, he is bored to tears about this fucking probe chasing them like he he can't think of anything worse like like as they as they go through standard procedure and like nothing works he's like all right well anybody else have any ideas (sighs) the probe itself looks very benign it looks like a fucking beer can Mm -hmm. with no wire sticking out of it it's no voyage home probe which looks sinister and weird for the first time that I can remember, Data wheels around in his chair and goes, The probe's field intensity is continuing to build, sir. We are in danger. Yeah. And to me, that seemed to be the counterpoint to what you're describing, which was a very impassive uh, bridge <laughs> crew about a very real threat. Like, it's it's shot like a Borg cube chasing them down. Like, like it's getting closer and closer in the view screen. Uh, it's it's made very clear in manner and action that this thing is a threat. But until Data actually tells Picard that we're in danger, I'm not sure if I bought any of it. Yeah, Picard comes very close to like checking his watch in this yeah. in this scene, and Data's like, "This is fucked up." Yeah, I can't remember Data ever saying that before. Real weird scene, and it like it doesn't really come back or anything. It's just like a, what the fuck did we just see? It's so close that they're sort of handcuffed about how they deal with it. Like, they can't just shoot a bunch of torpedoes at it because torpedo explosions at that range are just going to blow them up. It's it's sort of like too close for missiles. They got to switch to guns. So Worf shoots it with a phaser and nothing happens. So they're getting pretty desperate. They get Barkley back well enough to go down to engineering and he, like, 
kind of like takes over in Shimoda Corner and gets the shields all souped up, like in a way they've never been souped up before. And it's enough that they can shoot a full spread of torpedoes at the probe and blow it up and get out of the danger. Um, so Barkley saves the day, and Picard can't even break out of his lackadaisical mood to put any, you know, sincere enthusiasm into his praise of Mr. Barkley. It's, it is a, it's a really weird performance, right? Thank you, Mr. Barkley. And its counterpoint is the scene in Shimoda Corner where we're in the aftermath of Barkley just big-dogging the shit out of Jordy. Like, he doesn't yeah. even ask to do what he's doing. He just does it. And it was strange for Jordy to just sort of give way. Like, yeah. this, is, this is a person up until now that we don't know if we can completely trust. And... Barkley is like uh, wheeling around to all the different areas of Shimoda Corner. He's like <laughs> taking out wires, connecting them to other wires. He's sort of hot wires yeah. the uh, the warp drive into the shields in a way it, that's never been done before. It would have been so fun if he'd pulled some isolinear chips and reorganized them. Yeah, I know. Maybe Shimoda was onto something. Yeah. So on the bridge, we get this weird impassive gratitude, but in Shimoda Corner, we get Jordy going, what the fuck, Reg? Like, <laughs> yeah. like both, both in terms of where did that awesome solution come from, and also, like, I am the big dog around here. Yeah. I've never had my dog bigged in quite such a strange way. Um, it's the first in a series of scenes... It might not even be, because I guess it happens a little bit when they're leaving Six Bay and Barkley, like, recommends some medical diagnostic strategy to the doctor. And she's like, yeah, right, asshole. (laughs) But, like, this whole, like, first act of this episode, every time Barkley does something that kind of exceeds people's expectations of him, they have this knee-jerk, super negative reaction to it. It's like, like, can you just let this guy, like, fucking rise up a little bit? Like why does why why does oh. him saving the entire ship get everybody kind of like either neutrally like great fine who cares uh, or you know like the number line is great fine who cares to fuck you I can't believe you fucking did that when I'm supposed to be your boss and you didn't even ask me and also like Lavar Burton has got to be watching this going like. <laughs> you give you give fucking Barkley story arcs at at a dose of one per season, where he is growing and changing as a person. Yeah, and he's and and Jordy's laying back in the cut like unchanged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, Barkley has gotten fairly three dimensional at this point. Yeah, it's like it's like oh like wow what an interesting character. I have to say though, uh, somebody somebody wrote in about. Dwight Schultz, the actor that plays Barkley. Uh, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or on our DrunkShimoda at gmail.com uh, inbox. But it turns out that guy, after his sojourn as a very long-running character on Star Trek, went into business as a right-wing radio talk show host. Oh, no. And, like, I had a real hard time, like, enjoying him in the same way after learning that. So mm-hmm. I guess I just want the like tens of thousands of people listening to this to also stop enjoying it. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, now I can definitely put myself in the place of people he works with on the Enterprise in, in being a little bit annoyed yeah. at what yeah. he's doing. He's the most right-wing. He's incredibly right-wing. Nobody is more right-wing than him. Believe me. So we get a number of vignettes here of, of Barkley sort of being awesome in different yeah. ways. Like... Barkley's solving problems around the ship. Barkley is working with Einstein in a holodeck program, you know, working out math problems. Barkley has turned into a great actor with Beverly. Like, they, they yeah. show one of these scenes where he makes Beverly cry based on the strength of his performance. Like, some really interesting vignettes that show his growth in intelligence, not just uh, intelligence intelligence, but like emotional intelligence, too. Yeah, and this is like this is always fun stuff, right? Like they know that they need like a really strong actor to carry a performance like this where they show the the character as portrayed by an actor acting badly and then later acting well. It's real capital A good acting in the in that second scene, but like Gates McFadden's performance is like 10 times more impressive to me because it's a it, like, she cries, but it's a subtle cry. This is something that I wanted to talk with you about, which is the meta-acting of an episode that involves someone's character changing like this. Like, in yeah. which we see, we we get a baseline of Barkley, and we know what Barkley is at this point. <laughs> baseline Barkley. We see bad-acting baseline Barkley, and then we see Marlon Brando Barkley... <laughs> Yeah. On the on the other part of the spectrum. And I'm wondering like how how do you cast that first of all? Like how do you know that this actor can do that? And as an actor, right. Knowing that you must in the same a- episode act with incredible emotional intelligence and grace. Like does that mean that what you're doing for the rest of the episode is is mindfully dropping everything back from that point like how do you how do you act like that how do you act great and act not so great with this amount of strategy you know because the episode is very much written for schultz yeah you know and like they like they didn't they definitely didn't write like a generic version and then go like hey remember that guy because it 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 right. draws on what we already know about him as a character like they couldn't have re-auditioned him for this, so they knew that he had game. But it's like none of this shit is in his previous outing. They had the story structure in place before they made it a a Barkley episode. Oh, interesting. That is the little bit of research I did on this episode, but he really carries this well, and it it totally falls apart if he can't do the great acting, you know? Yeah. If he's yeah. somehow unable to deliver that scene with Beverly, I think the whole thing falls apart. Like, it's so much easier to act smart, I feel like. Mm. Like, yeah. like like math smart when he's in the holodeck working with Einstein. Like, you can vomit out mathematical equations and sound like you know what you're doing. But yeah. to affect an emotion in someone else in a realistic way, like, that is capital A acting shit. And I don't know if you know you have that with Dwight Schultz until you actually do it. So yeah. to me, it seems super risky, but the risk paid off. I thought he was great throughout. 
He was. I begrudgingly grant him great performance status. My love is a So they pretty quickly figure out that Barkley's mind is like revving up. The the alien probe flash did more than just knock him out. It's like it's like jacked his IQ into the thousands range and it's rising still. Um he's getting smarter and smarter and Barkley's brain is as, is as jacked as Jordy's body. <laughs> yeah. And at one point they're even talking about like like Barkley being super smart as security threat in a way that they never talk about data being what data is as security threat. Like they they like have a McLaughlin group to consider this unique situation. Um so Do you like, think you could steal the ship? No. <laughs> no one ever does that. <laughs> uh yeah, could he lock us out of the computer? Mm, be pretty hard. I don't think we need to worry too much about that. Um, like, I thought it—I thought it would be really fun. Like, if I if I could do an edit pass on the script, I would put in one scene where somebody like comes into his quarters and he's like pigging out, like stuffing his face because his mind is like so much more powerful. He needs to consume like fifty thousand calories a day to like fuel this this <laughs> like newly souped up organ in his body. The way that that one guy ordered eight banana splits. Yeah. Like, that's what Barkley does. Yeah, he needs to order the Ziggy Piggy. You know what else could have been great in this episode is, you know, in addition to Data, who's the greatest mind on board? It's Guinan. Yeah. What would Guinan's take on Barkley be at this point? That would be fun. I'd like to know that. She is such a great counterpoint to so much that happens on the show. She has a great way of poking a, a needle into everybody's hubris bubble. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and like for for all of the intelligence that Barkley dis- displays, he's insanely arrogant. Like he's like arrogant before he's smart, almost. Which I guess like maybe goes a little bit of the way toward explaining how why everybody's so fucking annoyed with him. I think when you break a story like this, you have to cut it. You have to head it off at the pass, like because I feel like instinctually you want to root for Barkley because of what you know about him. You also are excited about his potential. Like, wouldn't it be great if there were someone on board who could think as fast as he does, but they yeah. fucking clap that down right away by making <laughs> him so annoying. Right? Like that's, yeah. the, that's the engineering they do with this character. Yeah. Like you can't possibly like him long enough to, to let him live. One of the other things that comes out of this McLaughlin group is, uh, his Troy relates a a pass that Barkley made at her, and uh, one of the funniest moments of the episode is as they're as they're all kind of departing. You know, she's like, "Yeah, like he actually kind of like laid the Mac down in a in a big way." And uh, as as they're departing uh, the ready room, Riker's like, uh, "Hey, Deanna, you didn't actually say whether laying the Mac down worked," and she just like gives him a gives him a uh, a little grin. Real fun, because now Riker's threatened on je- not only an intel- intellectual level, but also an, it, it, like, am I still the biggest Mac on this ship level? Which uh, I thought I thought was really fun. I like all the callbacks to Troy and Riker's platonic relationship. It only takes a moment 
to to remember what they had. It makes me think like there was sort of a very there's a really substantial Facebook thread about uh, who is the best relationship on the show? Who is your favorite coupling yeah. of, of, a, of a certain type? And, yeah, and if you haven't gotten into our Reddit and Facebook groups, like if, if one of the one or the other of those social media websites appeals to you and uh, and you're interested in like the community aspect of this show, like they're so good. Like yeah. people really like post great stuff and it's like they're really like friendly groups of people like there's no no jerks every time i have expected a conversation to devolve into just shit throwing like i'm i'm constantly amazed at how good the people are are there about uh talking about the nuance of stuff like this totally and so yeah my point being is like Riker and troy's plutonic relationship at this moment in their story is one of the great relationships yeah, absolutely. Um, they're Emzadis, and they uh, respect the shit out of each other, I think. You don't have to be enemies with your ex, Ben. Yeah. It's, in fact, a good sign if you're not. To a generation of nerds, I think that's a really big lesson. Yeah, if you grew up watching films and are under the impression that the way you woo a woman is raising a ghetto blaster over your head in the middle of the night outside of her house and... <laughs> Every ex you're supposed to have is supposed to be a bitter enemy. You got you got told wrong. So, anyways. <laughs> I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. The like thing that's driving the story here is the Argus array is loaded up with nuclear reactors or fusion reactors or something, and the the probe damaged the computers on the array. And it's going critical, and the, you know it's a race against time to try and stop it. That's not going well, and um, and it looks like it's about to go. And they try and like get the ship out of there, and uh, like a like an old pickup in a horror film. <laughs> the uh, the Enterprise does not turn on when they try to uh, try to turn the, the key. There is no pair of keys falling from the visor. <laughs> to help them get out of there. No, yeah. I mean, you got to look, but you know they're not going to be there. Yeah. They're basically counting it down. Like, they've got 10 minutes left to fix the thing before it goes critical. Yeah. And then if, and then only a few minutes, and then only a few seconds before they decide to beat feet and get the hell out. The problem solving is happening in Shimoda Corner, and what they need to do is prop up the array's computer in such a way right. that it that it helps to save the array. But what's happening is Barclay's coming up with these solutions faster than the computer can implement them. And like anyone who is working on a on a company issued laptop that <laughs> that's just a fucking pile of shit Dell or whatever, he's yeah. like, forget this fucking garbage, I need a better computer. So he runs down to the holodeck and sets himself up with something great. He's like, I want I want a panel over here with symbols. I want a panel over here with numbers. I want a big <laughs> laser shooting lasers into my brain. Like this way I will I will be more souped up than any laptop could possibly be. And I can send yeah. I can send instructions over to that computer that are faster than our computer can send them, and I can save this thing. Yeah, keyboard and mouse are not cutting it for this problem. Yeah. And and this this is how 
Like he basically invents the tools that will cut it in real time. He's like building the plane in midair. Yeah. And uh, and one of the consequences of this is that he becomes one with the computer. So he shuts down the array and and gets gets everybody safe. And you know they they're up on the bridge and they're like, "Computer, what happened?" And it's not Major Barrett as the computer. Yes, Commander. It's me. In his fucking dopey voice. <laughs> really made me miss Major Barrett. Yeah. It's and jarring. it fucking it's, annoys it's... the hell out of Picard. Like yeah, he's, he's just like, as oh, annoyed fuck. as anyone. Yeah, broccoli, give me a break. Uh which is good. Like, like it's a very effective scene because that that computer voice is so established that the second it's different is and not computery is so jarring. It's interesting to me that the more computer-like and smart Barkley gets, the less able he is to uh, to understand people's emotional <laughs> responses are to his actions, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. people immediately become freaked out by him given his his leap in intelligence and he's just not grokking that. He's like, "No, no, no, no. Like uh, I'm going to do some awesome things for you. You just wait and see. Like you just got to let me do it." And everyone is freaked because he's unpredictable and he's not listening to orders. This this is like one of the big questions I have about this episode because there's a scene where Jordy is like like they do all these things where they like have to turn off the computer's audio sensor so they can talk shit about Barkley yeah while they're having a McLaughlin group and like like they, they haven't seen Jord- 2001 yeah it's it's totally 2001 they send Jordy into the Jeffrey's tubes and Barkley's talking all this smack about how he understands the entire universe and it's just one equation and it's super simple and and it's like. And Jordy is like, then why are you bothering me at work? <laughs> and and it like it makes me wonder, like, because because that is a great question, actually. Like, if if your brain is that vast that the it can contain the universe easily inside of it, like, why do you care what Jordy is doing in in that like like that that impossibly small point in? inside the universe that you understand as an equation it's the why does god need a starship problem exactly it's funny that they didn't like really address that about barclay's hyper intelligence like he keeps saying he's hyper intelligent and we're i guess just supposed to trust him with that but then like his actions kind of countermand that and nobody calls him on it yeah that's a great point because if he has truly achieved this level of intelligence where he just gets all of it, he understands every bit of it, it's super simple to him, why is his expression of that a sort of hold my beer, let's see how far we can take this ship sort of demonstration? <laughs> like, yeah. instead, Jordy or anyone else on the ship never thinks to ask, like, so what is the secret to the universe? Like, what is the point of all of this? Yeah, you would think you would want to get to know the smartest person that's ever existed. No one's interested in that. They just want to stop him. That is a opportunity lost in both storytelling, but also in terms of, like, the crew's hardwired explorational sense. Like, yeah. like they should have some sort of curiosity about him that goes greater than uh, unplug the Barkley and plug him back in. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is what they're motivated by. Yeah. 
Well, uh, it's not long before Barkley is opening up a butthole in space and trying to stick the Enterprise into it. Uh, and uh, and they are, you know, they've been in buttholes before. They are motivated to stop him. So they send a dustbuster club down to the holodeck where, you know, he's told them that if they unplug him from the ship at this point, it will kill him because most of his mind is like networked across the computer cores or whatever. And uh, the dustbuster club is quickly thwarted by a force field and the enterprise slips into this butthole and they come out in a different ass looking part of the galaxy and this like old man's giant head appears on the bridge and uh it's like it's so much like the god character in star trek 5 yeah it feels like a pretty big retread at this moment i mean it's like it's it's not as like insane in some ways is like it, it knows that this is a silly idea the way they wrote this, like, cause the character is funny and silly and like written like that and not just funny and silly because bad. The tone of this scene is really interesting, right? Like this guy, yeah. this guy's giant head appears on the bridge. <laughs> I feel like he's got like some, some like, some like pewter jewelry and like some, some, he's got like a weird like hologram in his forehead. He does that thing where where every interaction with him is just described by him as that interaction. Like I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Hierarchical collective command structure. Like he just sort of goes around the horn doing that. Who are you? Interrogative. At this yeah. point in time, Barkley comes back to the bridge and he's like, hey, I'm better. <laughs> Yeah. Turns out my whole mission was to bring you guys here and meet the Scytherians. Right. And uh, everyone's just in a puddle with excitement about uh, yeah. about meeting them. And so Barclay's whole reason for becoming super smart was to engineer the ship in such a way that it could get out there because the Scytherians' right. way of exploring the universe is not going anywhere. It's like me not leaving it, the basement to go get coffee. Like, Like, you want things to come to you. And that's what the yeah. Scytherians are all about. They bring things to them to study. They sort of did to the Enterprise what Nunyan Soong did to Data. Yeah. They sort of uh, they hit the homing beacon, and uh, it fucked up the array, and it fucked up the shuttle pod, but it, it managed to reprogram Barkley. And so, like, <laughs> it's a real weird, like, captain's log end to the episode, because they're like, yeah, we... We hung out with these super advanced aliens for 10 days, and we got to know them great, and it's going to take us decades to unpack all of the knowledge that we gained. These seem like good friends to have, especially if you're going to fight Borgs. If they can just, like, automatically reprogram technology. Are we clear that they ever got back home, though? Because we don't see their return trip. Barkley is no longer super smart. Like... Are they just stuck out there? <laughs> I would have uh, liked that button, or a little bit more button than we got. It would have been nice. Instead, the button we get is a return to normal in 10 forward with Barkley. Barkley's hanging out at the bar. Troy is like, uh, is it weird to be dumb again? <laughs> <laughs> Barkley's like, not really. I mean, it's not like I blacked out or anything. I remember doing all this cool shit. I just don't remember how. Which is sort of a tragedy, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it's sort of like, 
a guy getting blackout drunk and then watching a video of yourself like jumping off of a roof like <laughs> oh man i would never do that again yeah but he i knows don't believe he i'm it. a golden god yeah yeah and then and then troy makes a pass at barkley yeah very strange troy's like hey why don't we uh, go on that walk in the arboretum you mentioned yeah barkley's like are you serious troy's like yeah let's let's hit it let's maybe uh, roll around in the grass you and me you remember that time you kind of stole my identity and <laughs> fucked me in the holodeck? I don't. <laughs> Let's go for that walk. It's so fucking weird. What a weird end to this episode. Indeed, Adam. Again, another bridge crewman who has done something that is a fireable or imprisonable offense. <laughs> Goes free. No court martial, no nothing. Did you like this episode, Ben? On balance, I did. Um, I think that uh, what it chooses to retread is weird and, uh, but like better. And uh, you know, it's like if you if you do a remix of a song, you want the remix to be like better than the original. And um, I thought that the stuff with the laser brain was really fun and. While there's definitely some missed opportunities and some weird plot omissions slash holes, um, it's a, it, you know it's a fun episode and uh, and I lo- I love that the the thing that they're so scared of is exploration, <laughs> like it's like exploration by a means that they're not familiar with, so they're like terrified of it and like you know they learn a big lesson. When you're not ready to go into a butthole, Ben, it's <laughs> pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't blame them. It's a continuing pattern of just showing the amount of faith they have in the crew to not destroy the ship and can, and kill everyone <laughs> based on based on what they interact with. Yeah. Like, the ship gets taken over all the time, and it's bizarre to see a human being do it. Like, for as smart as Barkley is... He is just as susceptible to, uh, I don't know, removing the air from the holodeck, right? Or or something, and they never, they never think to kill him until it's too late, and <laughs> especially when when the guy has not obeyed orders, yeah, up okay. until then. So you're you're going on record as being pro summary execution, pro executing Barkley, yes. <laughs> To save the rest of the crew, not just because I want him executed. Let's be clear about that. Well, Adam, should we check if there's a priority one message or two in the yeah? Uh, let's do that. Subspace inbox. We've uh, we've come home from pod. We've thrown our keys up on the counter. We hit the button on the answering machine. Mm-hmm. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We have two priority one messages today, Ben. Uh, the first one is of a personal nature. This is a message for Graham DeYoung, and it's from his fellow code miners. Hey, Graham. Message goes like this. Congratulations to Graham. I suppose this might be another pronunciation issue, right? Mm-hmm. C- congratulations to Graham on the birth of your child. 
the approximate birth because you weren't considerate enough to be precise about timing. May your child roll all 18s except for one for a feint of plausibility and their sleep non-colicky. So two wishes there. Yeah. Also, can we have your Triumph and VR setup because you won't have time for them anymore. Yeah, when you have a baby, <laughs> definitely do not have any Triumph time. No. But I Unless imagine it's... when you have a baby, that VR setup is the only way you leave the house. Yeah. Yeah. 15 minutes at a time. You know, what you're going to want if you have a baby is a thing that completely obscures your eyes and ears from sensory information <laughs> coming from the rest of the house. Because, yeah. uh, you know, what good is that going to do you? I wonder at what point we're going to start sticking VR setups onto babies. What would that oh. do? Yeah. Teach them what it's like to beat up giant robots before they can walk. <laughs> Graham, your fellow code miners have sent you a thoughtful, powerful message that... that demonstrates their friendship to you. I'm going to talk to you directly, Graham. <laughs> Why don't you see what that VR setup does to a baby? Yeah. I think it's possible that it will not turn your baby into a Barkley-type uh, super-intelligent danger to the world, but <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never know. Thanks, uh, Code Miners. Yeah, thank you. Our next priority one message comes from the best office mate ever and it is to jeff jeff thank you for introducing me to this hilarious podcast it's one of the many ways you have helped me through some very difficult days i know supporting these guys and hearing kevin Exbridge say your name and wish you happy holidays will bring you tremendous joy i hope it comes close to the pleasure i find sharing tng and the greatest gen with you. They sure are talking a lot about pleasure. <laughs> Pleasuring each other with our show is what they're talking about. What does Kevin Uxbridge know about that? I don't know. I don't know, Ben. If only we could interview him. <laughs> Jeff, take it from me. I'm an all-powerful space creature known as a Dowd. <laughs> the only true joy in life is the love of a woman or a rubber and metal facsimile of a woman. <laughs> a rubber and metal facsimile of an elderly woman, specifically. <laughs> Give her a name that evokes grandmotherliness and yet is somehow also futuristic at the same time, like Rashan. <laughs> I make real dolls of many ages and sizes. However, with the elderly models, I use 30 to 40% more vinyl <laughs> for realistic wrinkles. Pleasant plumpness. <laughs> the varicose veins always take a lot of detail work, but they really pay off in the end. I really hope that this is the sort of office that doesn't play our show out loud. <laughs> like, I'm imagining it's a cube farm full of people wearing uh, over-the-ear headphones. Because, good yeah. lord, if this is like a dentist office and this is playing in the lobby, not good times, Jeff. Scytherian godhead willing, that's how it is, Adam. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, office mates, and... Uh, Thanks, Jeff, for having such great friends. Uh, if you are a friend... I think that's have... just one friend. 
that really? is thanking him. Yeah. Oh. I guess it would be. I, I wouldn't assume Jeff to have more than one friend if he's a viewer of our show. <laughs> uh, if you have one friend, and one friend only, uh, who you'd like to send a Priority One message to, you can wander on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Let that friend know how you feel. Yeah. Uh, it's 100 bucks for a personal message, 200 for a commercial message. That's a big help for the continued operation of this here podcast. So thanks. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Ooh, is not the smartest one. Smartest one. Let the boy take over control. Shimoda. Ooh, you make the warp drive hum. Warp drive hum. You gave up the ship to a child. Shimoda. Drunk Shimoda Take important stuff, stack it up Doesn't give a fuck, everybody's drunk And Tasha Yar's getting robot humped Ben, 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 Ben No! Drunk Shimoda Drunk Shimoda My, uh, my Shimoda in this episode is Worf um, There is the scene when, uh, you know, as as is typically true of Worf's uh, security uh intercessions uh too late uh but they send him in a dustbuster club down to the holodeck to uh second time in as many episodes that this has happened to uh <laughs> to uh get this rogue crewman under control and uh barkley is like doing that thing where he talks to them without opening his mouth through the through the ship yeah and uh Worf, uh or if just nominates one of his lackeys to go like take a headlong dive at Barkley and see see if he can get him out of this chair, and it's just like it's obvious before Worf even makes the order that this guy's going to get bounced off a of force field. You and, uh, wearing the cheap uniform? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you wander yeah. on up there? Go get a close shave on that force field. <laughs> uh, funny Worf moment. Yeah. That's my Shimoda. How about you? I couldn't decide between a couple of of conceptual Shimodas here. Like, on the one hand, I don't know why there isn't some sort of, of two-step computer verification that prevents someone from full-on integrating himself with the computer. Right. Like, what we need is a Ben Carson to separate Barkley from the computer <laughs> using his gifted hands. Yeah, and there's no one around to do it. That just right. seems bizarre to me. That that uh, you just put your thumb on the keypad, and all of a sudden you're fucking the computer basically with your brain. <laughs> the second one was a little darker, which was, what are Troy's intentions when she asks Barkley out on the date? Because a couple episodes ago, we were pretty hard on Jordy for having some fucked up intentions with Leah Brahms. Yeah. Not being not being a campfire friend to someone, being sort of a creepster. Yeah. About about other people's feelings. Troy feels a little manipulative here with Barkley in a way that I that I want to I want to be even-handed when I see I want to call it out as I see it. I don't think Troy's being cool wandering around the arboretum with someone that she knows is desperately in love with her. Yeah. So, knock it off, Troy. 
Like, like you were so quick to be a professional earlier on, turning down that Arboretum date. Maybe you should have just let it lay. Maybe. I don't know. Am I a dirtbag for saying that? I don't know. I mean... Is that hypocritical to, to call her was, out on that? I was definitely not feeling her asking him on that date, so... Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. All right. Darmok, Angelad, and Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben, what episode are we watching next time? There are, there are like a thousand people who think something's wrong with their car right now. <laughs> We're watching Cupid, Adam. Oh, goody. The mischievous Q turns Picard into Robin Hood and sends him on a quest designed to force him to prove his love for an old flame. This is a tough episode because I love Q and I hate holodeck episodes. And this is like matter and antimatter to me. Don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. It's also, I think it's got Vosh in it. And it also has that part where Worf says he's not a merry man in it. And those are usually great things, but not this time. <laughs> Would you have vetoed this episode had you had one? Mm, I almost like. I almost wouldn't want to miss this one just for the fucking horror show that it is. But uh, it's a horror show. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while, I feel like, since we've had a full-on horror show of an episode to review. So I'm excited to get into it. Get in the mud. It's, a, it's about time. <laughs> yeah. Let's get dirty. Well, no vetoes available. You know who is so very right, Ben? Who's that? The legion of people who support the production of our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. That's true. Uh, the, the other people that are right are the people <laughs> that go buy the Drunk Shimoda and the West Hot American Summer t-shirts from the Max Fun Store. What a great holiday gift those make. How'd you like to make a holiday bundle out of those two shirts? Oh, that'd be a great holiday bundle. You ball them up real tight, they'll fit into a stocking of any size. Remember to enter our contest by taking a picture of your published and available for public viewing iTunes review of our show and emailing it to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. We're trying to get to a thousand reviews by the end of the year uh, so that we can walk around with our chests puffed out, I guess. That's the gift that you can give to us. Yeah. Uh, the people we need to thank are Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for the Priority One music uh, that we play on almost every episode uh, check out Adam Ragusea's podcast The Pub on current.org and with that I think we're going to uh, call it a day Adam yeah I think I'm ready for that Well, I'm we done with be... my beer <laughs> with that we will be back at you next time with Another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a merry episode of The Greatest Generation. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.